The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 1977 versus 1983. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random years, while I will bring an action film from another random year. And then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. Let me introduce one of your hosts, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick. Welcome back to the Video Dome Arena, Jason. Oh, thank you. I'm still in pretty good shape. That's all I have. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm like, wait, I, I, he's doing a line from Never Say Never Again, but I can't Never remember, say, what, can't remember yeah. what comes next. <laughs> he like says it a couple times, like the first one, they're commenting on the Bentley. Don't make him like that anymore. <laughs> still in pretty good shape. Pretty good shape. <laughs> and then she's like giving him the rub down. He's like, still in pretty good shape. <laughs> so how are you doing, Jared? I, uh... Not, 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 I'm not in good shape. I've <laughs> <laughs> been in better shape, man. I've been in better shape, yeah. yeah. You know what I've done? I, I'm cutting down on the white bread. <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, red meat dry martinis? Eh. One step at a time? One step. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm cutting down them free radicals. I'm to eliminate all free radicals. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yes, indeed, we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are the story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie, or low points. Sometimes we've had more than one. Mm -hmm. Let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and if anyone's wondering, in my combat self-defense class, we practice throwing your own urine into a guy's face, usually on day four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that seemed to be a very effective move, actually. <laughs> it's surprisingly effective. You know, I would bet urine to the face would stop a lot of fights. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm That's out. Right. It's just gross, man. Yeah. <laughs> there was one comedian that said, like, every time I get in a fight, I just, like, drop my pants naked and go charging after him. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, Shameless Plug, theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com Don't type Shameless Plug, the yard sale artist. Just, just 
the yard sale artist.bigcartel.com. They get early access to special unbox episodes. They get to vote on show content. I'll probably talk about that later in the show today. Mm-hmm. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being friends. Dave Collins, that was just a crazy old man. Blast it or stash it. Gene Hendricks. Ivan the Collector. Ivor Evans. Joe Thomas, musical genius. John and Maggie for Married with Comics. Maxwell Trevor. Miranda W. Mr. Lobotomy. Ross Michaud. Ronald Wint, who I owe about 6,000 apologies to. I've heard the story, and yes, you do. Timmy. Bob Busta Busta. Steve Cronin. Samantha Maney. Toronto Cop. And welcoming a new Crusaders Club member, who is Scorpio. Now, if we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a very recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. For just pennies a day, you too can help poor Pat Simpson. (laughs) In the arms <laughs> of the angels. Listen, all you got to do is head over to patreon.com and search Longbox Crusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Look in your couch. It's there. Yeah, or under your car seat. You know you got a dollar. You know that little space, you know, where the door handle is? And mm-hmm. then right below the door handle, mm-hmm. there's a dollar in there. I guarantee it. That's right. So for as little as a dollar a month, I mean, you could be getting all the benefits, voting on show content, getting early content, access to our newsletter, discounts from my store, and free stuff. We give away free stuff, man, on our live streams. We'll talk about that later. Anyway. Apparently, especially if you live in the UK. Yes. UK winners are winning far <laughs> too often. I don't know what's going on. But come check it out. All right. Thank you, Jared. Now let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode with the randomizer selected for me, 1983. What a glorious time in my life. And I have selected Never Say Never Again, starring Sean Connery. Never say never again. And Kim Basinger. I got to do it at least once. Basinger. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate the background music. (laughs) Bass singer? Bass singer. I don't know. Vicky Vale. There you go. And Jason, what year did the randomizer select for you? Well, I got 1977, so I found Hmm. a little-known cult classic called Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. Heard of it? Well, that is one heck of a good matchup, folks. We are talking Star Wars versus Sean Connery's James Bond. This might be the happiest I've ever been on Action Film Face-Off. There will be no Jared's Tears segment in this episode because mm-hmm, nope. these are straight... Tears of joy. Tears of joy, too. exactly. These are straight, all-out, action, fun films from my childhood that I wouldn't trade for anything. That's not in the script. Let me figure out where I was. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's important to point out that this isn't a Jared versus Jason show. What we've done is we've each had to select from our assigned year, so I might like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is just all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. So let me jump in with some quick info on 1983's 
Never say never again. Sean Connery is James Bond. Agent 007. Never say never again. My name is Bond. Oh, you're Mr. Bond. I believe I'm having you in half an hour. Oh, splendid. Your room or mine. Have you, Mr. Bond? Obviously well equipped. Thank you, James. So are you. Good to see you, Mr. Bond. Things have been awfully dull around here. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so, too. Bond, the game is over. Sean Connery is Ian Fleming's James Bond in Never Say Never Again. All right, your cast and crew obviously includes Sean Connery back to play James Bond. It's got Kim Basinger, Klaus Brandauer, Barbara Carrera, and Bernie M. Effing Casey. I'm a fan. Bernie Casey's in this. And you know what? Here's our first little connection of the night. This film was directed by Irving Kirshner. Name sound familiar? Hmm? Does it? Uh, yeah, it rings a bell. (laughs) An Empire Strikes Back type bell. Yes, (laughs) this is the same gentleman who two years earlier had directed the Empire Strikes Back. So we kind of got... Wait, I got a question, though. I'm sorry, but who did this Klaus Brandauer play? Klaus Brandauer? Yeah, who was he? He played Largo. Wait, that wasn't Donald Zoiderman? <laughs> <laughs> I thought Z-Man was, was killed in that movie. <laughs> Tastes sweet. Like, like money. Like money. <laughs> that guy does sound like our boy. <laughs> I was like, I was watching, I was like, that's Zoiderman. Oh, man. Shout out Donnie Z. All right, here's your film synopsis. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, did you see Thunderball? Yes. It's an 80s update to Thunderball. And there's, it is. Your, there's your film synopsis. All right. <laughs> if Man, you didn't guess... see Thunderball, watch Thunderball and you'll get it. Okay. All right. Long story short, James Bond has to re- go recover some nuclear weapons. Except in this version, it's been pushed to the 80s. The last time he did Thunderball was in the 60s. So they put kind of an interesting twist on it. And James is an agent on the cusp of retirement. He's in his 50s because Connery was in his 50s. And uh, actually, that dynamic plays surprisingly well, I think, in the film. Uh But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So here's your interesting trivia. Check this out. The martial arts trainer on the film was a young man named Steven Seagal. Heard of him? Nobody beats me in the kitchen. (laughs) And guess what? He broke Connery's wrist during training for the film. That's a goddamn lie. (laughs) Oh, Connery made it on set today. (laughs) Well, of course I made it on set. You're talking about me a masterpiece. (laughs) Thunderball 2. Uh... Never say, uh, turn down a paycheck again or something <laughs> like that. I... So you're That's dying. Steven Seagal. Yeah. He blindsided me like a little pansy. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, he got the shillelagh. <laughs> so I guess if he sent you to the hospital, then... I sent him to the morgue <laughs> and his brother because I got to send two. <laughs> oh, 
man. Poor Gary Seagal. <laughs> He's like, what did I do? You know what you did. Yeah. You and Jonathan Schaefer Hames, you know what you did. Oh, it's always nice to see Connery on set. Your second trivia piece is keep an eye out for a young Rowan Atkinson in the film. He plays Nigel. This is what a first- weenie. <laughs> Connery, go back to your room. What are you doing, Zartos? <laughs> it's always showing We're up. We're not asking. doing Zartos. Go back to your room, Mr. Connery. This is some bull right here. <laughs> we thought he was a handful on Saturday matinee. <sighs> Man, who told him we were doing Never Say Never Again? <laughs> I don't know. I think Pat tells them these things in their import-export business meetings. Oh, no. Chatty, little chatty Cathy's. Oh, anyways, keep an eye out for young Rowan Atkinson in this film. He, like I said, he played Nigel. This is his first major film appearance, and you may recognize him from the Mr. Bean franchise or from the pretty funny Bond spoof film series, Johnny English. My son and I love watching those together. If you've ever read the disclaimer on a film, Jason, have you ever seen a disclaimer on a film that says, no animals were harmed during the making of this film? Oh, yes, absolutely. And have you ever asked yourself, what movie was it that ticked off the animal rights people enough to where you actually need to include this on all your films? I've never really wondered that question, but I have a feeling I'm about to find out the answer. Yes, the answer is never say never again. Apparently that thing got started after this film where many animal rights activist groups protested this film due to the scene where the horse plummets into the sea. Let me tell you, that thing takes a dive. But in all fairness, there's two stunt people diving right along with it. Yeah, the horse didn't do anything that the human people didn't do. (laughs) The animal rights groups did not care for it, so this movie kind of birthed that whole thing. So every time you see that little disclaimer on the film from now on, give a little wink and a nod to never say never again in that horse for breaking (laughs) breaking that horse glass ceiling. (laughs) That's all I got. All right. Thank you for that, Jared. So I guess it's my turn, and now I will give you the rundown on 1977's Star Wars. Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Here they come. saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle light years ahead of its time. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Hello. It's an epic of heroes.
So the cast and crew included Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. It was directed by George Lucas. The synopsis, and in full disclosure, I stole this right from IMDb, so thank you, IMDb. The movie that created a universe. That's mine. The rest is IMDb. <laughs> the Imperial forces, under orders from the cruel Darth Vader, hold Princess Leia hostage in their efforts to quell the rebellion against the Galactic Empire. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon, work together with the companionable droid duo R2-D2 and C-3PO to rescue the beautiful princess, help the Rebel Alliance and restore freedom and justice to the galaxy. So my three golden trivia nuggets here. Number one was that George Lucas was so sure that this film was going to be a bust and it would flop that instead of attending the premiere, he went on vacation to Hawaii with his good friend Steven Spielberg. And it was while there that they came up with the concept of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Looking forward to doing a Jones film on this show. Mm, Me too. Yeah, that'll be fun. So number two, Harrison Ford wanted to be spontaneous, so he intentionally didn't learn his lines for the intercom conversation when they were rescuing Princess Leia from the prison cell. So he made all that up on his own so that it would sound spontaneous. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have company! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen this movie once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and finally, and this is what I found kind of humorous. So the actors found that George Lucas, he really didn't give a lot of directions as a director. And basically, he gave them two commands. It was either faster or more intense. And at one point, he temporarily lost his voice. And so the crew provided it with two cue cards, one that said faster and one that said more intense. <laughs> <laughs> That's efficiencies right there. That's right. <laughs> and now that we have the basics on today's contestants. I'm going to need you to do that faster. And more intense. And more intense. Let's do, Give me that line again. Faster and more intense. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. <laughs> Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen. Test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. Here we go. The contestants have entered the video dome arena. Everyone's chanting for blood. Let's get into round one. Tiger uppercut. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? And we will start in 1983 with Never Say Never Again. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to score these on a one to ten scale. A five means average. So if this is your first time listening to Action Film Face Off, welcome. And just know that if we give it a five, that means it's average. It means it's okay. It's right down the middle, does what it needs to do. So if your film gets a five, that means eh, it's all right. Don't get mad. They only go up from there, obviously. Well, they can go down from there. Not a lot of films on a show get below five because, you know, we don't pick usually busted films. <laughs> Every once in a while, we'll get a, a great film that has maybe a terrible bad guy or something like that, and it'll, it'll dip a little below. But, you know, five's average. It's something you'd see on a good TV show back in the 80s. Think of it that way. So with that barometer set, we'll talk scores in a minute. But Jason, what's your overall impression of the story of Never Say Never Again? Should we give a spoiler warning to or just dive right into it? How are we going to spoil this film? <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> I mean... Spoiler warning, if you've never seen Never Say Never Again, get off your ass and go see Never Say Never Again. <laughs> yeah, pause this thing and watch. I mean, it's not okay. like it's got a huge plot twist or anything, but yeah. Well, like you were talking about, you know, originality, obviously it's not going to get much for originality as it's a remake, but it's a solid remake, I think, of a pretty good story. 
Overall, the plot moved pretty briskly, I thought, and there were some fun elements and winks to the fans at Sean's return. The big question that I had, and I'm going to throw this out to you, Jared, was the casino scene when he does the video game, the domination of the planet Earth or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Did they cut a scene out of there? That was really weird because he kind of comes in and he fools the guy with the cigarette container that he convinces him is a bomb and has him like stuck in the closet. Mm -hmm. And then he just walks right into this game room with Largo, with whom I don't think he's ever met, Mm -hmm. and Domino. Yeah, there's two versions of this out and about, and I believe they originally, this is speculation here, but I believe they originally, there was a scene in there where he chats with Domino in the arcade. There's like a full-blown arcade at the party. I was thinking that was the case. I I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that in the theater. Yeah, it bridges that gap, and depending on which version of the DVD you have, like, and, and the part of the speculation is, I'd heard that it did that the film didn't quite fit on the original DVD storage size wise, so they basically cut that scene out to make it fit. I don't know if that's true or not, but I have heard there's two versions of the DVD out there: one that hasn't seen, the one that doesn't. I want to say that. The Blu-ray that I have actually has the scene, but now I'm regretting that I went the lazy man's route and just watched it off my digital media server for prepping for the show, and it didn't have the scene. But I think my Blu-ray does, but I need to go back and verify that. But you're right, there's a missing scene. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's kind of like if you were going to a function and, say, Bill Gates was going to be there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any effing way that you're just going to end up just kind of casually walking around by Bill Gates if he doesn't know who you are. And that seemed to be like James Bond comes in. He doesn't know this guy from Adam. This guy doesn't know him. And yet they're walking and he's like, oh, you want to play this video game? Sure, let's play this video game. Yeah, and the last Uh time that he saw Domino, he had impostered a masseuse. And so I think they bridged that gap in that scene where she kind of gets a vague idea of who he actually is. Yeah. She's like, like, wait, you know, you're the guy who tricked me at the massage parlor, you know? And they kind of, he kind of works that out and smooths that over. Because otherwise, why would she care to be on, you know, she's kind of on his side a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, she was. And so that really jumped out. I was like, what? Did I miss something? And I, I actually rewound it. Did I like doze off or something? And I was like, okay. No, just some versions have it and some versions don't. And I based that off of, I noticed that back in like 2003-ish. And I did a little internet research. So there, there may have been folks that have solved that mystery whole cloth since then. But my 15-year-old research says, yeah, they, they removed a scene there. Okay. That's all I got. That's all you got on the story? Yeah, you're right. It is basically a remake of Thunderball. So there's not much else to say. Although, like you said, it's a well done remake. I really like the way I mentioned earlier. I really like the way they didn't try to pass off an aging Sean Connery. Let's remind the audience at the same time, in the same year, just a few months before, the official Eon Productions released Octopussy. And at that time, they're trying to pass off Roger Moore as still this, you know, young. James Bond, which we've talked about over on our sister show on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, our rookie agent show. You are failing! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we that's one of our downsides to pretty much the more 007 post for your eyes only. It starts to wear a little thin with his age, but the smartest thing they did here is they address that. They say he's an aging agent. You know, he's about to be on the out the door. M doesn't even have much use for double O's anymore. 
And yeah. he's kind of put out the pasture, and this is basically that one last time that they needed him. So they, they attacked the age thing head on. And oh, by the way, Connery, in my opinion, is more handsome now than when he did his last film, Diamonds Are Forever, for the official franchise. You better believe it. Oh, man. I didn't have to hear that. <laughs> oh, you like it, do you, lad? <laughs> you like a little salt and pepper. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, anyways, that is the story on Never Say Never Again. Now, Jason, what are your thoughts on the story of Star Wars? Can I just score it a 10 and be done? Yeah, you probably can. <laughs> as, hard, I as we learned on our other sister show, Jason and I do a lot of podcasts, we've been covering the original Star Wars comic book adaptation over on Crusader Chronicles on the Longbox Crusade Network. And, guys, frankly, it's hard to discuss Star Wars because it's so pervasive. Invasive. Like, what do you talk about? It's Star Wars. What is there to say? Wait. Jason will find something. What do you got, Jason? I'm going to lay some thoughts down here. Oh, here we go. Professor Jason. That's what I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a thought struck me as I'm watching Star Wars, and it struck me particularly in the trash compactor scene. And I've thought about the recent Star Wars movies, particularly mm-hmm. Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And there's always been something that seemed to be missing to me in, in those two movies. And I thought, maybe I'm just getting older, a little more jaded than mm-hmm. I used to be. I, I felt that. I felt that. And it's not the actors. I don't mean to say that the actors are poor because they're, they're terrific. All the actors are terrific in the mm-hmm. film. But there's just something that doesn't feel natural. And as I was watching the trash compactor scene... It struck me. In this scene, you have the four major characters together. Mm-hmm. Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie. As I was thinking back to the other movies, particularly Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi, you never have that. You never have that shared experience. And it was this moment in the Death Star, escaping the Death Star together, battling their way with the Millennium Falcon through that fighter perimeter. This was the core moment that brought them together. And we've never had that with the other movies. We've never had the four of them together in a shared experience. And I don't know if that's a sign of our times, if I'm looking at this too deeply, maybe. But in this age of social media where, you know, you have a million friends on Facebook, but how many would actually, you know, give you the shirt off their back? You know, friendships that are forged through adversity and shared experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I'm missing from these new films, those shared experiences. And then, and I'll give you this final thought and wrap it up, like that character Rose, right, from The Last Jedi. I'm familiar with her. I mean, great actor. I don't have any backstory. There's no shared emotion. She just shows up, Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to just accept her as part of this crew. So I think that's where the original Star Wars was brilliant. It was about shared emotional experiences. And then the final moment I was looking at was the Death Star battle. And the Death Star battle, if you look at it from an effects perspective, like with uh, the prequels, the space combat scenes there, and especially with Ryan Johnson's last movie, I mean, the spectacle there, the computer generations, light years, or they didn't even have computer generations. They were doing it all with models. Mm-hmm. But it was all based off of real combat camera footage. Yep. And there were so many shots inside the cockpit of different people that you only see for moments. But it's those moments where the actors bring you into that battle 
where you care about what happens. And how long was Porkins on the screen? But we all know Porkins, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As opposed to what they do now with just like, oh, look how big this massive battle is. And oh, look at Poe just shot down 40 TIE fighters. And again, it's like video game, real life. And that's why I think the original trilogy, Star Wars films, will stand the test of time. Usually at this point in the show, I make fun of you for your kind of stupid and incoherent ramblings. But... (laughs) This time you'll make less fun of me? uh, No, this this is the day they stop laughing at you. That makes a ton of sense. Because I'm looking at my notes, and it says, I like the part where the lasers go pew, pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I too like the part where the lasers go pew, pew, pew. You don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, but it's no, like we talk about that. No, you you have really hit home on something. Man, action film faceoffs getting deep today. But yes, I think generally as a society, oh man, we're losing listeners right now. I just know it. But we are becoming more disconnected and more enamored with, you know, like you said, the battles, a giant spectacle. But when you check in with those minor characters that we know nothing about, but Porkin sells it to us, man. When he dies, you're like, damn. You know, I can hold it. I can hold it. You know, he's trying to hold it. And you just, I don't know, maybe it's just us as both of us are military veterans. So you go into literal battle a lot of times with guys that you know almost nothing about. But because they're wearing the same outfit as you, you will fight to the last man for that person. And holy balls. What about Red Leader, man? When he's like, I don't even remember that guy. I don't know if they even said his name, but he's like, I just lost my starboard engine. And his last command is get up there, make another run. I'm going to take out as many as I can, kamikaze style. Yep. They really tapped into the human element. And yep. and, and Jason's right, for those of you who don't know, pretty much everything you see is directly lifted from World War II combat footage. Perhaps some Korean War as well, but I think it was mostly World War II. Yeah. Dude, your deep thoughts, I think, are spot on for this episode. That is an incredible analysis, and I'm, I'm actually proud to know you in this episode. <laughs> you know, back in the day, in 77, George knew how to make us hear it, make us feel it, make us see it, and make us believe it. Yes, and, and you know, we pride ourselves on our positivity in this network, so please don't be out there thinking that we hate The Last Jedi. Not I mean, at all. It's a, it's a fine film. But it taps, saw, saw it a couple times, yeah. It, it, the originals tap into a different vein for me as well. And Jason and I are both, I think, willing to, if you want to debate that, obviously we listen to your side. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're just a couple old guys who like what we liked when we were kids. You know, that's fine. That could be the truth. But I just, what you say rings true to me. And just to be clear, I did enjoy Last Jedi, and I will be there for Rise of Skywalker. Heck yeah. Why not? All right. Let's score these films, and I think I know which one's going to win the story round, but I think they're both pretty decent, so let's start with the second place winner of this round. (laughs) Never say (laughs) never again. I mean, it's James Bond, so we both know that it gets a base score of a 7 and can only go up from there. I hope you understand those rules, Jason. What did you score, never say never again? I scored it a (laughs) 6. You son of a (laughs) Because... It's a remake, and I've already seen it, but it had Sean Connery, and they did some unique stuff with it, so I thought it was good. And, like, I was going by your thing. Like, five's a decent score. It was a little bit above a decent story, but it's not original. So, six. Can I talk to you for a minute over here away from the microphone? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you really threw me under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Your point is valid. And I scored it an eight 
And I will readily admit that there are some James Bond fanboy points therein. For those who can't see because it's a podcast and not a video broadcast, you know, I have a 007 tattoo literally on my arm. So that is true. Jared's an absolute homer for James Bond. And I absolutely think that Never Say Never Again gets unfairly pooped on by the 007 community. I think it's a really good movie that people need to give a second look to. I gave it an 8. But Jason's right, it's not original, but I did like the fresh coat of paint they put on it, even with the aging actor. I think they handled that extremely well, as I mentioned earlier in my comments, so I'm landing on an eight for that, but there's Homer points involved. So let's go. Well, I I hate to interrupt you, but since we've set the precedent where I talked you into changing your score a little bit last time, in honor of your 007 tattoo and the fact that you're right, a James Bond movie is, it should start at a seven. Regardless, I'll give it a seven. Woo! Action field face off first. Jason changes his score, bumps it up a point. Give it the tattoo bump. The tattoo bump. I love it. Okay, let's go to a galaxy far, far away and get Jason's 10 in the books. And Jason, is there a 10 I should write down? Just write it in there. It's write a 10. It in there. Flawless victory. Now, I'm gonna, this is where Jason gets mad at me. <laughs> I give the story of Star Wars a 9. Strong 9. I think the storytelling prowess of Star Wars comes down to how well Lucas did integrate classic war films and classic samurai films and classic cliffhangers. And he basically takes all these classics and melds them together with a sci-fi rapper and i think that's really brilliant and i gave it a nine the main reason i didn't go all out to a 10 is there's a star wars movie that i think is a 10 and oh there's three that i think are 10s oh okay okay (laughs) Okay. that's fair i view this one as a very very strong entry into the franchise but there's still one in the franchise that i would give a 10 to so i'm basically saving it for that one whenever that one should strike back You know, in all honesty, I was thinking that, and I agree with you, that Empire is, of the three, well, out of all of them, really, to be fair, the best written story. I was giving this one the originality bump. because nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, I I respect you, Nine. I'm not going to get mad at you. I, I debated it myself. Cool. Well, that's the end of round one, stories in the books. And now we're going to go to round two and talk about the hero. So how cool is the hero? How cool is Felix Leiter? And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Shout out to Delvin. Uh, how cool is James Bond in Never Say Never Again? How cool is James Bond in Never Say Never Again? He's super cool. It's Sean Connery back again. Like I said, he's more handsome than he was in Diamonds Are Forever, and he's aged like a decade since then. He's just a man who got more handsome as he got older. It's just so great to see him back again. For those of us Bond nerds who know, he left on such bad terms with Cubby, and they didn't even really repair the relationship until Cubby was on his literal deathbed. It's kind of a sad story. It is. And and unfortunately, on one side of this, Connery kind of did this film to stick it to Cubby Broccoli. I keep saying Cubby. If you're not familiar with the franchise, guys, all the other James Bond movies are made by Eon Productions, which is basically this guy named Cubby Broccoli. Albert R., if you're... Yeah, Albert R. is if you're being formal, but everybody called him Cubby. So unfortunately, Connery kind of did this film to stick it to Cubby because they were, well, frankly, they were kind of immature about their relationship for mm-hmm. a long time. So that part is a little bit of a downer. But when you separate yourself from that and you just get to see Sean Connery back on screen, back in a tux, looking good, I couldn't be happier. What do you say? 
Man, I can't disagree with you. You know, you were talking about how James Bond's story starts at baseline seven. Sean Connery's the same things. You know, at least a seven in his movies, ten when he's in his prime. It was just really cool to see the original gangster 007 back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've touched on it. I'll just throw it out there, too. He's definitely older in this movie, but somehow it works. They didn't try to hide the fact that he's a little gray around the temples and probably on his last mile is a double O agent. I will say that I loved the Felix Leiter in this film. I thought he was terrific, man. What a great character there. The only thing is I really miss Claudine Auger as (laughs) Domino. I've never really been a big fan of Kim Basinger. I don't know what it is but oh yeah i do if she can't act (laughs) we all have those certain actors or actresses that just you know it's like yeah that person just doesn't ring the bell for me you know and well okay i'll tell you exactly what it is it was batman it was the batman movie that woman screamed like 15 times she had (laughs) she had one scream it was the same scream every time and i was god dang change your scream woman (laughs) (laughs) look for deduction rounds and action film face off when we get to 1989 (laughs) yeah can we do six degrees of separation for our i'm gonna deduct from never say never again because i'm batman Batman. no I, i i understand that too i get that I thought she was adequate in this film, but, you know, when you look at that iconic Claudine performance from the original Thunderball, dude, those shoes are just so big. Yeah, she was. She's one of the best Bond girls ever. She's up there. Black and white bikini. Uh I mean, I'd be superficial, uh, but it's 007, so black and white bikini. (laughs) She's got a mole on her. (laughs) left eye or something like that left eye that's right (laughs) all right so let's talk about star wars what are your thoughts on the hero and or heroes of star wars jared yeah this is much more of an ensemble group as we've seen in some other films on extra film face-off so when i rate the hero it will be plural it'll be heroes i mean i think at the end of the day luke skywalker is the quote-unquote hero of the film but you don't get through the adventure without han and leia and chewbacca so this This ensemble is just incredible. You have the wide-eyed optimist boy, basically he's a boy in this one, young man, very young, who thinks that he can contribute and make a difference in the world. You've got the cynical space pirate who's tried to make a difference in the world and failed. He gets optimism from the boy. The boy gets realism from him. They both get leadership and passion from the princess. Everybody contributes to everybody, which goes back to what you're saying about that human interaction. They all have very distinct personalities and they all make each other better. And that's the charm of this group. That's my thoughts on it. Well, gosh, man, I don't know what to say other than, well, first, I guess we should take a moment. As we talked earlier, Jared, I just got my news feed as we're recording this, that Peter Mayhew, the actor who played Chewbacca, passed away at the age, I think it said, of 78. So I think in honor of Peter, Wookie Roar on three. Let's do it. One, two, three. All right. Peter, most underrated character in the franchise, in my opinion. Yep. Brought it to life, my friend. Brought it to life. Um, I I can't really uh, improve on anything you said. Just one little thing that I'll add is when I look at Princess Leia in 1977, she was a damsel who damn sure wasn't in distress. Uh, She was owning that room, whoever she was up against. Tarkin, Vader. 
a room full of stormtroopers, a couple testosterone-laden <laughs> young men. You know, she was holding her own. And I think that if you want to look at actors on the screen, women actors in particular, who brought strength to their character without a lot of the bluster and chest-thumping that often comes along with it, Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia really kind of, I think, set the pace. I will add to that and say the best way I can describe that for, we probably have younger listeners who weren't around 77. I mean, frankly, I was only one, but by the time the sequels come out, I'm hip deep in it, into Star Wars. This is the best way I can explain this to you. In the early 80s, as a boy, Jason and I were boys in the early 80s, in case you didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> As a boy, you don't play with girl toys. You just don't. You just don't, okay? Yeah. Or, or else there was something wrong with you. You didn't even walk down the girl toy aisle. You look at that pink aisle, and you move on. <laughs> I'm a 42-year-old man, and when I take my kids to the store these days, I still feel it. When I look down the pink aisle, I'm like, nope, moving on. <laughs> you know, that's I'm like, when do the girls get two pink aisles? <laughs> That's how we were raised, right or wrong. We're not going to debate the politics of it, but that you wanted that dang action figure. You wanted Princess Leia. Uh That's how big this is. It was insane cultural shift to be like, I got to get that Princess Leia. No boy said that about, there was no girl figures in anyone's collection of anything. Nope. And I mean, yeah, you had to have the sticky buns, Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. You had to have the Bespin Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. You had to have the Hoth Princess Leia. I like the Uh, one where she's undercover from Jedi with the helmet. Oh, sweet. The boosh, yeah. (laughs) Princess Leia. That was rocking, too. Or the camouflage one from the door. That was also pretty. Like I said, as boys in the 80s to be seeking out, like, I need this in my collection. That is amazing. She paved the way. Next comes Scarlet from G.I. Joe. And now all of a sudden, sudden it's cool to have females in your action figure collection and it all starts with her i'll be perfectly honest with you too because i mean star wars is the first movie that i remember seeing at the movie theater so for me it really set the tone women aren't just handcuffed in the tower they did rescue her from that jail cell i'll you know i'll grant them that but she comes out of there and she's like grabbing blasters and fighting off stormtroopers she makes the escape through the garbage compactor I mean, and as a six-year-old kid seeing that, that was really formative of me saying, like, here's a woman that's part of the team, not somebody that needs to be rescued or have a man rescue her. So, and I see this, like, in Frozen, and I think that's another good example of women empowerment. But I'm like, man, if you go back to 77, it was right there staring you in the face. Even when she's in prison, she's face-to-face with the most evil general and the most evil Sith Lord in the universe, and she's sassing him. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, anyway. Yeah. Her resistance to the probes are formidable. You know, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yep, yep. Boy, this is becoming political film face-off right here. <laughs> What's happened to us? Let's talk about lasers and stuff. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, I think we've talked about the heroes enough. I think it's time to score them. What do you think? Let's score them. So, 007. I feel the temperature rising. <laughs> uh, all right. What are you giving James Bond from Never Say Never Again? Again. James Bond from Never Say Never Again and James Bond from every other appearance he's ever going to be in is going to 10. It's only acceptable score is a 10. I don't have to justify myself to you. It's a 10. Flawless victory. All right. You do not. I gave him an 8 for this you, one. Can I talk to you over here for a second? <laughs> Man, you really threw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery is James Bond? What do I do with you? What about Star Wars? Pick a hero. Give him a rating. Let me back up a second. I will say this. I've seen Connery in his prime and like Goldfinger. That's obviously mm-hmm. a 10. Even yeah, to it, me, that's a, that's a 10. I want to explain real quick. 
the 10 that I give him here in Never Say Never Again, he runs all the way up to a 9 because I'm seeing Connery as Bond again. And then it's the Bernie Casey bump. Bernie Casey is right up there with David Hedison as my favorite Felix Leiter. They are right there. I guess I give the edge to David because he did it twice and he was in my favorite Bond movie. But dang, Bernie Casey, back to political film face-off. This first, I'd seen all the Bond movies and this is the first time I'd seen a black Felix Leiter. And I was like, Wait, Felix Leiter's not black? And then I watched the movie, you know, as a, I don't know how old I was, eight, nine years old. By the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, it's not important. And that guy was awesome. So there again, like Princess Leia blazing trails, it really had an effect on young Jared. I'm like, this guy's totally capable. He's totally cool. doesn't matter what color Felix Leiter is. So You're right, though. I mean, it does set an example without beating you over the head with it. Absolutely. And I got to say, my score, because I started the same way. Sean is a nine, but I bumped it down because of Basinger. Basinger was the Bodang. So you should have bumped it up with the Bernie Casey and then deduction rounded. <laughs> I'm like cooking the books <laughs> of your action film face off. I'm like your accountant cooking your books. I was going to say, we need to do the untouchables pretty quick here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to Star Wars. Okay, Star Wars hero. Give All me right, some I, points. I, I lumped them together, and in, in previous episodes when I lumped them together, I had sort of averaged them. I think I did that on Expendables. And so I gave okay. it an overall okay. average. This one, because of what I said earlier, because they all make each other better, it's so synergistic, it's ridiculous. Long story short, it's a 10. This group of heroes is timeless. It's a 10. Flawless victory. And I'm not going to add anything to that. You said it perfectly. 10 for me as well. Flawless victory. Tens. So we've actually got a pretty close battle going here. Star Wars is leading by a tad. Let's see if James Bond can gain ground in the next round. Is that your best? Round three is the villain. So let's talk about Mr. Largo, Mr. Max Largo over in Never Say Never Again. Your thoughts, Jason? He was charming. Yes. Sinister. Correct. Downright nasty. Yes, nasty. Yeah, a little nasty. I have to say, go in the other direction from the domino scenario. I think I like this one better than the original. Correct, sir. I thought he was really, really good. And it sounds kind of weird, but I thought Sean Connery and Don Zoiderman there had some good chemistry. <laughs> I can't remember the real actor's names. So. <laughs> Largo. Let's go with Largo. All right, Bond and Largo had some good chemistry together. I would agree. And then we're going to put a cherry on the top in the form of the lovely Fatima Blush. Mm. She was sexy as hell, yep. and she was creepy as hell. Yes. You're like, I shouldn't, but I would. <laughs> that is a minefield that I would sprint right into. <laughs> Just trying to get to the other side. <laughs> The only thing I'm going to add to this is if I could do one thing, I would take the eye patch from Thunderball. Because <laughs> that eye patch is awesome. And give yes, it yes. to Largo and never say never again. If, if Largo rocked the eye patch and there was an eye patchless Largo and Thunderball, this guy, he wins completely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is one eye patch shy of a 10 right there. <laughs> All right, Jason, let's go to Star Wars and talk about villain. Like, should we throw, throw another 10 on the uh, pile, should we? Yeah, let's go talk about maybe perhaps the greatest villain in cinema history. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Oh, that's my first comment. 
yeah, that says that I basically have two comments. That's one. The other is Peter Cushing played Tarkin to perfection. I thought between Peter Cushing and David Prowse slash James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, what are the best, if not the best, one-two bad guy team-ups in cinematic history? Can't say any better than that. Let's score it. All right, we were both fairly impressed with the remix of Max Largo. What score did you give it? Since I gave Bond an eight, I couldn't give him an eight, so I gave him a seven. Probably deserves an eight, though. I gave him the eight because I'm, you know, not Bond Homer, but I do feel like he is one of the jewels who adds a lot of layers to that character that you didn't get in Thunderball. And let's be honest, I mean, Adolfo Celli was great in Thunderball. Yeah. He's sort of one note. He's just kind of menacing the whole time. This guy, like you say, he's charming, but he's insane and he plays it with a great subtlety. So, yeah, I gave it an eight. And, well, Star Wars, ten. Flawless victory. Darth Vader. Ten. Flawless victory. Ten. Yeah, yeah. I'd give a 15 if I could. I know, yeah. Start yeah. freaking Vader. It's a 10. Word. Well, that's wrapping up the villain. Let's talk spectacle. The overall spectacle. How visually engaging is the film overall? Stunts, effects, cinematography, dance scenes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good dance scene to never say never yeah. yet. Don't knock it. There really was. I just settled with one dance with Domino. <laughs> Your brother's dead. <laughs> And you're out of step. Get a step, woman. <laughs> so, Spectacle, what'd you think for Never Say Never Again, Jared? I found the spectacle of Never Say Never Again to be surprisingly good for a movie that had a lot to live up to as it mm-hmm. comes in to basically do a little pilfering of the Eon Productions James Bond films. Doesn't quite have the shine of those Cubby Barkley Saltzman-produced films. They put a lot of time and effort into that. These guys obviously had a more restricted budget, but with the budget they did have, they did a really fine job. We got a lot of exotic locations, a lot of memorable places, a lot of memorable sets, a lot of sweeping action. There's a lot of good stuff. And that's I'll leave it with that. And I'll see what you have to say. I think you covered a lot of what I had. I agree with you 100%. The locations were beautiful. They made the most out of every action scene that was there. I enjoyed the motorcycle chase. I will say the one thing, and I know you're going to disagree with me, but I missed that underwater battle scene. Just miss it. <laughs> I'm okay without it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Underwater battle scene ran a little long for me. We've talked about that before. He's talking about the original Thunderball. I love that original Thunderball underwater battle scene. That's understandable. Well, let's move along and talk about the spectacle for Star Wars. What did you think about that, Jared? It's a spectacle movie. It is. They completely make you believe that these people are on other planets just using our planet. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. No CGI. No, no CGI. CGI. Everything's in camera. The model work is fan flippantastic. It's 40 years old, something like that. It's over 40 years old. <laughs> And yeah. it holds up to this day. Lightsaber duels. Man, that's a standard in cinematic effects. Laser blasts, spacecraft, model work, different planets, alien makeup. John motherfucking Williams on the soundtrack. Oh, man. Yeah, how important movies. was he? We don't, we don't hit soundtracks a lot on this show, but man, if you take that soundtrack out of Star Wars, it is half the movie that it is. It is a spectacle film. Just wait till my score, till you hear me say 10, and then you'll know. So what do you, what do you think, man? 
Yeah, yeah, you know, just to tack on with that notion about the score, you go to any Major League Baseball game these days and you'll hear something from that movie in there. Usually it's the Imperial March, but, you know, you've heard it. Dun, 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 You know, you know the music. I had that uh, as my ringtone when I was in the Air Force. I worked for a commander, kind of a d- and I made that his ringtone. So whenever I heard oh, that, that was my wife. <laughs> Uh, that's why I was divorced, man. That's <laughs> one of the reasons. It's one of a myriad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I think that that spectacle holds up well today. And we've seen CGI do amazing things, and we've seen CGI do some cringeworthy scenes. But just the fact they were doing it out of all real-world locations, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you know, you go to Empire, and they're like, all right, we're going to send you to freaking middle of some ice flow. <laughs> Denmark or something, you know, (laughs) or the desert tattooing, but they did so much with so little. It's just amazing. And you're right, man. It built a whole world. It's a world that stands up today. And I got to say, you know, I was watching the CGI, the 90s version where they added the CGI scenes in there. Mm -hmm. And when I see those CGI scenes, uh, a lot of them just don't hold up. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. don't mess with it. Yep. Nothing left to do but score it. So let's talk spectacle. Jared, what score are you going to give Never Say Never Again? I was impressed. It's got a lot of good spectacle. I gave it an eight. All right. I gave it a seven. I thought that, like you said, it lacked a little bit of the polish of the Eon Productions, but what was there was pretty tasty. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, speaking of score, that is the most common thing I hear from people. I got friends who aren't even big Bond fans. Uh The one thing I hear over and over again when people give negative feedback about Never Say Never Again is it doesn't have the Bond theme. There's no John Barry involved. And it does suffer from that. I will admit that. Still, it was really good. So I I understand your seven. I think if Barry had been on the film that had been available, I think we would have been looking at bigger numbers. You're probably right. I didn't really look at it that way, but I'm kind of playing that music in my head from the motorcycle days. It's like like, like jazzy and borderline uh, softcore pornish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, who was the name of the GoldenEye composer? He was probably watching that going, oh, yeah. Yes, yes, good. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Eric, so day, my day will come. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Enough nonsense. What about Star Wars Spectacle? What'd you give it? Ten all day. Flawless victory. You know, I gave it a nine, and no, I think didn't. it was. No, yes, I did. No, yes, you did I did. Not. <laughs> I did. I did. What? This show is over. No, if they would have left it alone, if they would have left it alone, I would have given it a 10. But I can't see the original trilogy anymore. I got to watch this bullcrap Greedo oh, shoot first. Oh, so and you're, score, you're scoring the, the special editions. I got you. I understand. Yeah. I think if I could have watched the original, it probably would have been a 10. But they really kind of take me out of the element. You know? It's weird how CGI from the late 90s and early 2000s does that. You know, we've mentioned that before as we look back on Brotherhood of the Wolf or Blade. Blade did it better than most. But yeah. a lot of that CGI, just something about over time, it has just gone stale. You know, it really has. I mean, I guess it must have seemed like a good idea at the time, but... I'm watching like the stormtroopers on the dewbacks, and it just looks computerized mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of scenes that I thought was a little bit better. I like the Millennium Falcon taking off from Moss Eisley. I thought that scene was pretty good. And then there's a couple of scenes in the Death Star X-Wing fighter battles that are kind of cool that they added in there. But overall, it's like, just leave it alone. 
Yeah, I think it was more of a subtract than an add in the long run. Yeah, the cost-benefit analysis didn't weigh out on that one, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that rounds out the spectacle. Okay, let's move into round five, which is the best action scene. Come here! Oh, boy. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are in round five with a lot of action scenes to pick from in both films. So let's start with me asking you, never say never again. Which action scene was your favorite? couple good ones to choose from. I'll tell you three I narrowed it down to. Okay, probably the same three I did. Piss and face battle. Yep. That was good. Motorcycle chase. Yep. Final battle in the crypts with uh, Felix Leiter mowing down fools. Yeah, well, okay. That's the only one that we have different. I really like the opening scene. The opening oh, That's a good scene, too. Yeah, yeah, you can include that one. But I, I'm not poo-pooing the final battle because Felix Leiter really shines in that scene. And so I landed on the motorcycle chase. As did I. All right. So we're right in step here. I Mm -hmm. thought the stunts were pretty terrific. I loved the slide under the truck scene. Tried to do that several times on my bicycle. (laughs) Didn't quite end up. (laughs) Mixed mixed success. (laughs) Yeah. Mixed results on that one. I loved how he was just kind of like cutting down the stairs a couple yep. times. And then the one, the piece de resistance was well, they think they have him trapped up in the truck, mm-hmm. in that truck. And then he like spins it around, around, and then just ramps off over all the bad guys' heads. He's out of there, rocket motoring across all this. Oh, it's just, it's a great scene. 100% agree. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <This is laughs> Absolutely correct. So we're in lockstep agreement on that. Nothing to add. Let's go to Star Wars again. A lot of scenes to pick from. What'd you narrow it down to and what'd you settle on? You know, I think that it's funny because I look at Jason and different age groups and different age group Jason would pick a different action scene. That's exactly what Uh, I was thinking. (laughs) You know, I remember like as a kid, just like the scene that really grabbed my attention was the Death Star battle chase, you know, the inside where eventually Luke and Leia have to swing across that chasm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh man, I was like, I had my jump rope up around, you know, the ceiling (laughs) fan and I was like mimicking that scene scene back home jumping off my bed oh that that was awesome but for this one i landed on and i don't know if it was influenced for the last star wars crusader chronicles we did Mm -hmm. but the millennium falcon escape from the death star scene that one really landed home with me really okay yes interesting so like when the tie fighters chasing them and you know great kid don't get cocky that kind of thing yeah and i think again number one it had the element of them all four well, actually, all six, because R2 and 3PO mm-hmm. are in there as well. And they're all doing stuff. And it's cutting from one to the other. You got Leia and Chewie flying the Falcon, Luke and Han manning the guns. There's just terrific tension, fast cuts between all the characters, great lines like, don't worry, she'll hold together. Hear me, baby, hold together. <laughs> they know that type of stuff. Once more, I think, because they took actual... I think this was like from B-17 gun camera footage and stuff, uh, documentary footage, that there's a sense of realism there that grabs you. So just the way that it's filmed, put together, all the characters in one central location aboard the Millennium Falcon, which is also awesome. That's the one that struck home with me. All right. I chose Young Jared is all about lightsaber duels. So I like that, even though it's initial lightsaber duel and, and not as flamboyant as they would become in the future. But when you see a lightsaber duel for the first time, you're like, what? You know, so that's young Jared's choice. But Jared now at 42 likes the Death Star run at the end. The Death Star run at the end was definitely in consideration. That's where I landed. So now we know where we've landed and why. Let's score them out. Mm -hmm. Never say never again. We both like motorcycle scene. You liked it to the tune of... 
I gave that one an eight. As did I. Lockstep there. All right, Death Star run. Well, I chose a Death Star run. You chose Escape from the Death Star. What'd you score? I scored that one an eight as well. Exact same thing I did with the Death Star run. So it's eights, 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 and eights across the board. Eight, 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 eight. So, so never say never again. You know, it took a few punches in some earlier rounds, but it's holding its own here in round five. Yeah, as far as the entertainment value goes, it still holds up, man. Using your uh, score of did I check my phone, I did not check my phone once watching that movie. Nope, neither one. That's high compliments. You think about how many times you've seen Star Wars, how many times you've seen Never Say Never Again, and you still stay engaged. Yep. That's it for my round. You can... Take it from here. All right. Well, now we're going to get a little negative. (laughs) Deduction round time. Hasta la vista, baby. Are you deducting any points for Never Say Never Again? And if so, why? I am deducting zero points for Never Say Never Again. It might have flaws, but it's James Bond, and I refuse to recognize them. I'm deducting one point. Is it Kim Basinger? (laughs) No, I've already I've already taken my Kim Basinger pound of flesh from the score. <laughs> okay. Is it the score? It is the submarine. The that submarine? submarine was a freaking clown car of gadgets. It shows up firing rockets. He says, Do you have the XP forty whatever, you know, personal rocket? Oh, of course, we got two right back here. How about some uh, Navy SEALs? Got any of those? Oh yeah, we keep them in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it that way. And then the piece de resistance, where the F did they score that helicopter, man? The one that he had to (laughs) flew him over so he could jump into the well? I'm like, I'm out, man. (laughs) How did this submarine have all that stuff? It's a clown car of gadgets. Minus one. Well, I've never thought of it. Now I won't be able to not see it. Excellent. So let's talk about deductions for Star Wars. Uh, It's Star Wars. It gets no deductions. You know what? I originally scored it minus one for the 90s added scenes, but I think I took that off already. So we'll forego that with one exception. Uh Oh, he's taken a point away from Star Wars, folks. So let's listen up. Let's listen with our whole heads. It's not only the added scene. It's Greedo shooting first. You can't not take a point away from these uh, DVDs with the Greedo shoots first concept. It's totally ridiculous. And I hate it. George Lucas should be banned from cinema history. For this, I award him no points. And may God have mercy on his soul. Literally subtract him a point. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. No, minus one for Greedo shooting first. It deserves it. I understand. My goodness, six rounds, they do fly by. Yeah, they are battered, they are worn, they are in their corners. It's time to tally the scores. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 93 to 78, to no one's surprise... Star Wars. Congratulations to Star Wars. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen eighty-eight, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen 
1997. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And yes, we are talking to you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Just come in cold. Enjoy the ride. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much all your finer podcasters. You can go directly to the website, which is www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff in our live raffles, and we always give away free stuff on our live raffles, all you got to do is join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube. We do those uh-huh. on the second Sunday of every month, and we start around 3.30 p.m. Central Time each time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Give us a subscribe, please, and click that bell so you get reminder notifications for when we go live. We do really like doing the chat with you guys you can do the live chat and we talk right back to you on the show and it is a ton of fun and thanks for tuning in we appreciate you listening and until next episode keep your head down and your knuckles up When I get with your November, I'm a rapper solo in the club with no members. Oh no, I stay with that Iron Man. I got a vision like Avengers. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. I think I have some sage thoughts I'm going to bring up in Star Wars. See. I might filibuster just a little bit. I'm going to give you. What? This year round, you're leading this in case you forgot. Oh, am I? I forgot. <laughs> Bernie Casey's my hands down my favorite Felix Leiter, period. So, See, I went the other way. Wait, you said that David Henderson was your favorite. I'm a liar. <laughs> All right. Let me, give, let, me give you, let me give a second take on that so I can't be called out as a liar for my podcast. Okay. I mean, we all know who won, but it's time to do the points. Let's see. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> this is some bullshit right here. <laughs> Harrison fucking Ford? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> the man has one acting tone. <laughs> he can hunt for my red October. <laughs> <laughs>